Whether you're buying a new car, a used car, or refinancing your current car, FedChoice Federal Credit Union could help save you money. FedChoice makes buying a car so easy that you can do everything right from your smartphone or on a computer. Become a member today and you can take advantage of their great rates and financing options. Find out more at FedChoice.org. That's FedChoice.org. Membership open to federal employees, including contractors and their families. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, insured by NCUA. Gone. Absent. Away. Lost. Disappeared. Astray. Removed. Unaccounted for. There are many words you can use when someone is missing, but which one accurately describes what happened to Terrence Woods? The 27-year-old world-traveling video and film producer never came home from his last shoot in the Idaho wilderness, and so many questions surround the odd circumstances, like did he really just run down a cliff and vanish without a trace? In our last episode, we learned that Terrence's father got a bewildering phone call the morning after his son apparently took off. The account, at least as we've heard it thus far, is hard to wrap your head around. When he got separated, witnesses on the scene told the sheriff's office Woods had been acting strange. One story they said that they watched my son run off the cliff. What do you mean you all watched him? What do you mean you watched him? What are you saying? None of you would ask my son 130 pounds soaking wet. These guys are big like me, and you're going to say, you watch this little guy go to kill himself or whatever you're trying to put out there. Come on, man. Fox 5 aired that story in October 2018 when Terrence had been missing for just a week. Even now, there are still no signs of him, and people who love him can't shake their doubts in the circumstances and the investigation. I remember specifically walking out of his house and looking. We looked at each other like, what was that? Like, what happened to this kid? That's Fox 5 photographer Van Applegate. I've called a meeting with him, reporter Anjali Hemphill, and photographer Ronnie McRae in the Fox 5 conference room so we can share our thoughts on this story. And part of the reason that we're recording our meeting here is because normally when we do podcasts, you go out and you get all your interviews and you decide, okay, we've got all of our elements and let's figure out how we're going to piece them together and break them up into episodes. We have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Well, here, all we have is the beginning. We don't really know where this is going to go. Um, so I wanted to talk about just kind of kicking around ideas for what avenues do we need to go down? Where could we take this? What might be possible um, ways to divide up our resources? Who knows who? You know, that, that kind of thing. We all agree we'd want to talk to people who were actually there at the shoot or the search. The biggest get, I think, is going to be somebody that witnessed it. I mean, which I don't know if we'll ever find, but that, I mean, it's a 12-person crew. You know, you can find them. Yeah. The question is whether they will yeah, talk yeah, right, to you. Right, right. Anjali says she got a written statement from Raw TV that didn't reveal much except to say that Terrence is a valued member of the team and directing all inquiries to the sheriff's office. Well, the problem is, is I, once I got that from them, um, I reached out to the Idaho County Sheriff, who never returned my calls for the story, ever. Early on, I had sent a Freedom of Information Act request to the Idaho County Sheriff's Office, asking for the police report, any search warrants, the 911 call, and a record of search efforts. 
That request was denied because it is still an active open case. So the only solid name we have so far is Simon G., the production manager who called Terrence's dad. Anjali says she tried to message him on Facebook but got no response. I messaged him there too. We can't find any other contact info for him online and Raw TV has denied our request to speak with anyone on the staff or crew. I was able to get a copy of the Sheriff's Department dispatch log which I scoured for clues. This was also interesting. They Apparently they went to Terrence's room to make sure it was locked and make sure no one could get in there except the um, Sheriff's Department. But people from the crew had already been in his room. Wow. Because apparently they went in his room to get clothing for the dogs to smell. Oh. So that the dogs could um, track, have something yeah. to track. Right. But that could be an issue. Yeah. So there's a, so there's a name there, Nathan Morris, who's a producer. And in Terrence's journal, I found another trail to follow. His father showed it to me when we were at the house and let me take pictures of the pages. The last page seems to confirm the details of Terrence's final trip. It says, PA Dave Turin. Are you familiar with who Dave Turin is? Well, I looked him up and he has been on Gold Rush Discovery. Okay, that's Raw TV. Right, mm -hmm. so it says six locations, mostly West Coast, Montana, Arizona, Washington, Nevada, Idaho. Dave goes to mines, chooses one to inspect, one hour special. So I started, uh, I went onto this Dave Turin's website and he indeed was working on a, I don't know if it's gonna be a full show, but it's, he, he, did, a, he did a Facebook Live at Christmas and he talked about how it's gonna be called Lost Minds with Dave Turin. And he also posted a couple of pictures from Montana um, he didn't post any pictures from Idaho. I, that's, I was looking for that. Um, and he posted a picture of his film crew. Terrence is not in it. It was a picture from November. Mm. But guess who liked the photo? Simon G. So I was trying to look, see, is that the crew? Is that a right. picture of those guys that were there mm -hmm. and Terrence isn't with them? Does Dave Turin know anything about Terrence? Did he ever meet him? Did he ever see him on the crew? Mm -hmm. I don't know if he'll even talk to us because now you're dealing with Raw TV, Discovery Channel, those kind of things. We, I don't know what kind of hurdles we're going to run into. We're hopeful that once the show airs, there might be video from the shoot in Idaho. There might also be names in the credits that we could try to run down. There's a growing list of other questions we'd like to look into, such as where exactly did Terrence disappear and what were the conditions like? What else can we learn about this Henman mine? How far could someone like Terrence get on foot in a steep, heavily wooded area? Is it really possible that tracker dogs and helicopters couldn't find him? Why would crew members tell deputies that Terrence was acting strangely? And why would Terrence take off on his own without any survival resources? Certainly the action itself, if true, isn't rational. We still never got a clear answer about what mental breakdown means. And the other thing that's interesting, again, we have to also just keep in mind that everything that we are hearing is from the dad's filter. Mm -hmm. Right. No, you know, true. He's, yeah. he's grief-stricken, distraught. Nobody wants to believe that their kid had a mental breakdown and ran down a cliff and disappeared and has never been found. At the same time, no one's really given him any answers. Right. And they haven't given us answers either. And
Anjali and Ronnie are going to circle back with some of the friends who first contacted them about Terrence. I will keep pressing the Idaho County Sheriff's Office, work on tracking crew members, and see if I can learn anything else from Terrence's mother. A week later, I meet up with Valerie Woods. She and Terrence's dad split when the kids were young, but she tells me they've remained friendly. Valerie commutes from an hour away to her job in Montgomery County, so we've agreed to meet at a cafe nearby before work. She's wearing scrubs under her black ski parka. Her hair is pulled back in a stylish, slightly spiky puff. Valerie has two older children from a prior marriage, then Terrence and his little brother. It's evident that she and her thirdborn have a bond. When he was born, he, you know, he never really changed. He um, kind of, his personality is very bubbly and outgoing. Um, he is very, uh, when he was younger, <laughs> he was uh, very affectionate, love hugs and kisses and, and stuff like that. And, you know, um, but he was um, curious, you know, he, he went from wanting to be a butterfly scientist, whatever that was, to, you know, just um, exploring and traveling and, and stuff like that. So, and he pretty much, he did exactly what he wanted to do. Although he was young and he didn't have to, he studied, um, the, uh, he studied Egypt and the pharaohs and um, uh, the pyramids and stuff like that. He just went off on his own and he, he did that. Um, he, he was into um, uh, different type of you know, science stuff. We had bought science kits for him and, and stuff like that. It, it, it was, he, he was just kind of like it dabbling into everything. He wrote a lot. Um, he did, um, he wrote stories, book at, at a young age. He uh, did a book and won a contest in school for it. Um, I saw that book. Yeah, yeah. Little Brother for Sale. Yeah, yeah, that book was amazing. Yes, um, him and I, we, we both worked on it together, um, and it, he just came up with the concept of it, and uh, we kind of just, you know, roll along with it, and, and, and he actually won. I think he, he impacted a lot of people in, in so many ways. Um, I have a co-worker um, that um, he practically became a part of her family and um, and actually uh, she stayed he stayed with them in London um, and and he, from being a part of her family he met friends of her family and they traveled together and, and stuff like that and so yeah that's how we kind of got him over in London so when, what did you think when he first said I want to go to London well because he started saying it at such a young age, um, I never really paid it any mind, any attention or anything. And then, um, of course, like I said, my coworker who was traveling, um, she, um, and she has relatives, she's from Scotland, and um, she has relatives over in the UK area. And so um, she said that they were traveling, and I said, oh, you know, I said, I should take Terrence with you. And so then she said, of course. And so then I said, seriously? I said, you know, are you, are you serious? Because I knew that this was something that he has talked about for so long in a young age. And she said, sure, why not? And so uh, he worked all summer. He saved money. The family put money together. And, you know, he got his plane ticket and we sent him off. And he's been going back and forth ever since. And he traveled all over, you know, all over. So, and that was the beginning of it. Did you worry about him over there? Absolutely. 
every day. It must have been hard when he said, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm going, I'm going to, to London. Um, it was a struggle, but you know, I knew that this was a dream of his and he has always said it. So, you know, I didn't want to stand in his way. You know, I, I, I did kind of, you know, give him a hard time a little bit here and there, you know, like when you're coming home or, you know, why are you still there or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, did you ever, did you ever go visit him there? Oh, I'm not big on traveling as he is. Um, I'm a little bit um, afraid of flights, so I did not. I was trying to wait for him to come home. <laughs> and so I, I used to tell him, I said, look, I'm trying to ride you out. So either you want to come home or, you know, eventually I'm going to have to come over. Memories of those conversations bring tears, and we dig through our purses for a pack of tissues. Here we go. Oh, thank you so much. I thought I had some. So he did come home though, right? Oh yeah. So when did he come home? This um, summer? He, yeah, he came home in July. And do you know why? Um, he said he wanted to come home and just, um, you know, he, he said he was tired of traveling and that he was going to just come home and find a job here in the States. He wasn't sure if he was going to stay here local or if he was going to move to New York or um, he was thinking about going to California. He just wasn't sure. Tell me about this trip, this last trip. Do you know how it came about? Um, no, honestly. Um, he, he just called and said, you know, Mom, I have one more trip that I'm going to take. Um, um, a friend of that, you know, some connections in London recommended him for the trip and that he was going to, um, this was going to be his last one. Um, he told us it was going to um, start in something like the mid-October, um, early October and go into um, mid-November is what he said. Mm -hmm. But this was going to be the last one. But why did he say the last one? He said he wanted to be at home. He wanted to just be stable. Um, while he was home, um, when he came home in July, he saw that his brother was working a regular nine to five. He said, oh, Ma, he would get up and he'll put his, his, his dress shirts on and his tie and he would go home and go to work and then he'll come home and he'll hang with his friends and do whatever, you know, and he felt like he didn't have that much time to socialize with friends and that his job was really you know, taking on, you know, taking up a lot of his time. You mean just because of the, the traveling and, yeah, stuff like that. Just the chaos of it, right? Mm -hmm. You never know when you got to pick up and go and exactly and that kind of thing. So you feel like he wanted something a little more stable. stable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This trip was kind of like just all of a sudden, but a lot of his trips were like that. And um, he just said that he was starting out in Montana um, filming um, the gold mines and, and the locals that work the gold mines and then that he will be moving on to Idaho. Mm -hmm. And then he'll be back home. And did you have any communication with him when he was out there? Oh yeah, he, sent, he always sent pictures and videos and stuff like that while he was out there. Uh, wherever he traveled, he was sent back. You know, we, we were traveling with him you know, per se, throughout his pictures and stuff that he sent, yeah. I noticed that Terrence and his mother have exactly the same eyes. Valerie tells me she spoke with her son while he was in Montana. He texted pictures of the view along the drive. One reveals a long road bordered by golden grasses as a fence line stretches out from the dashboard of a white truck. In the distance, mountains and a huge blue sky dotted with puffy clouds. 
Another shows a rusting hulk of machinery, almost melted into a scrubby hillside, like a dinosaur fossil from Montana's gold mining days. And there are haunting pictures from an abandoned mining town, where a soft mist envelops stilled hotels and saloons that look like a set from an old western. Terrence told her things were good. Well, I'm, every time he went away on a, 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 a um, assignment, I always ask, you know, so um, what are the people like, you know? Because, you know, so if I, he said that, you know, he was having issues, then, you know, I, I would be a little bit more concerned or, you know, if he said they were okay, then, you know, I would relax a little or something like that. And so he said it was okay. So I, I just relaxed, just like all the other ones. He said it wasn't, it wasn't anything. Did yeah. he seem to be enjoying Montana? He didn't seem like he was troubled. Yeah. yeah he didn't seem troubled. I know he was new to this crew. I, I know this, this was his first time working with this crew. He worked within the production company before, but with this particular crew. What were the texts that he sent you? Um, the text was just that, you know, mom, you know, mom just got to the hotel in Idaho, and that's when I, you know, said, well, you know, I asked you before about going away to jobs like this and not telling me or giving me any information, and that's when he sent the itinerary. And then, um, this was the, the other one was like, you know, mom, I'll be back home on the 10th. And that's when I said, okay, um, you know, why, why wait until the 10th and stuff like that. And then he asked me, you know, what time do I have to be at the hospital um, on the 11th? And, you know, we just chit-chatted a little bit about that. And then that was the end of it. You were going to the hospital to have tests? Or? Well, yeah, and it, it was in the medical center and I explained that to him that it was in the medical center where I worked actually. So, so he had, I mean, he had a reason to want to be home. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I told him that it was okay and that it, it wasn't as serious as, you know, I thought it was. Mm -hmm. But the, I guess my point is, is that he had a motivation to come back. Yes, yes. I've just learned two new pieces of information. One, the itinerary. The text Valerie showed me had the hotel name, the dates, and the names of other crew members who would be staying there. Simon G., Nathan Morris, and Billy Pleasant. Two, that Terrence had a reason to come home to Maryland. Saturday, October 6, Valerie is busy at work and her phone keeps buzzing. It was. You know, it was coming from my niece, it was coming from Joseph, my son, it was coming from their dad, and I was like, this is not right. Valerie gets the devastating news from her ex-husband. Then she tried to reach someone with Raw TV. It was, um, it was weird. It was weird at first. Um, they didn't have a lot of information. They were still trying to piece things together. Um, out of the list of names that Terrence sent me, um, Simon G came up, and we found out that he was actually the um, person leading this production crew. And um, when we finally got a hold of him, he was very cold. Um, he, um, he, um, 
He said that he was um, disappointed in my son and that he came highly recommended and that, um, you know, he, he said he came highly recommended that they didn't interview anybody for this position because he came so highly recommended. But when he got there, he was just disappointed. And he said that my son had a, a some type of mental anxiety attack and and it, all of it was just strange and weird. And who, who actually spoke to Simon? I did. He, it was just cold. It was just cold. It, it was, um, it was no sympathy whatsoever with Simon. What kind of questions did you ask him? Asked him what happened and, you know, where were they when it happened and, you know, why would he just run off, you know, what was going on at the time and, you know, um, there wasn't much he can give me, much information. And does any of that make sense to you? Absolutely not. Um, the example anxiety attack or whatever mental uh, issue that Simon was saying that he was having, it didn't, it didn't. Um, even with um, him saying that his dissatisfaction with his performance on his job, you know, I spoke to people before from past assignments and they had nothing but good things to say about him. So it was weird for him to say that you know, he didn't, he, he didn't re meet, meet his expectations because my son, he strived at everything that he did. He wanted to be the best at it. Did he tell you the, this, this story that we've heard about he was, that your son was talking to somebody at the mine and? Yeah, he, he told us that. He told us that. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, he said that he was talking to one of the local women at the mine, and then he said that um, all of a sudden he said that he had to go to the bathroom. They said that he ran to, he went to the car that they were driving or the truck that they were in, and he, uh, he uh, um, came back, got something out, supposedly, came back, and said that he was going to go relieve himself in the woods, and they said that they looked, he was at the edge of this cliff, and when they looked up, he dropped his radio and jumped down the cliff and took off, and that was the last they seen of him. She tried to get more facts from Idaho County Sheriff Doug Giddings. That call, in her opinion, did not go well. That, um... The first contact was, it was very uncomfortable. I felt like um, it wasn't much was going to be done in search for him because I spoke with uh, Sheriff Ginnings at the time and he was, he explained to me that it was um, three, two other people that went missing in, in that area and that they, he was working on three cases. Three cases. It's true. Two other people disappeared in Idaho County that very same weekend. That's something else we'll explore in future episodes. Um, he was just so nonchalant about the whole thing. He said, you know, we're searching, we're doing what we can do, what do you want me to do? And 
And when he said that, I was like, okay, I, I already know that this is not going anywhere. I, I, I can see that now. And I knew that I would have to, I, I knew then that I would have to go out there. Coming up, Idaho. I'll never go back there again if I don't have to. It's like, um, it's the worst day. It's the worst. Because I didn't really want to fly. And I knew I had to. And I didn't know what to expect. I was hoping that was going to bring them home. A family's search for answers only brings more heartache. Yeah, and it's, it's just bizarre. It's, I mean, bizarre things happen in Idaho County. As we go into the woods. Thank you for listening to this podcast, part of the Missing Pieces series produced by Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Many, many people took time to help us in our search for information, and we are so appreciative of that. We're also grateful to the family and friends of Terrence Woods for sharing their stories with us and hopeful that one day they will get the answers they so desperately need. If you have any information that could help investigators or Terrence Woods' family, please contact the Idaho County Sheriff's Office. And one more thing, we'd love for you to join our Fox 5 Missing Pieces Facebook group. I'll be posting pictures and video from our episodes, and you can share your thoughts and questions or post messages for Terrence's family.